You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, I hope that your day is going well. I am excited because my wife is once again with me today. Uh, I know we've been talking about this for years, and we're finally able to roll out some episodes this summer, where she or this fall, where she is able to uh, join me, and uh, we're recording as we go, adding some episodes here and there. And today we're going to just jump right in. We're going to talk about uh, something, Erica, that you brought up to me about peers and peer pressure and how parents can actually use that for uh, positive correction, and they don't. And, and it's something that you work a lot with your clients on. And I'm kind of, let's just jump right in there, and it'll kind of be your show today. A show today, I like the sounds yeah, of this. There All you right. go, the Erica Martino show. I work with a lot of parents and teenagers and young children, and one of the things that I've grown to realize is that as parents, especially as teachers, I think our own anxiety kicks in, and we sure. try to save our kids from pain. Right. Like, yes, that's a popular thing to do is we don't I don't know any parent out there that wants their kid to suffer or to be in pain. So we try to fix it by trying to correct their behavior where, you know, I know you're about this too. the natural consequences and letting kids figure things out. And one of the ways they do that is through peer interaction. I know the other day I was teaching this concept to a friend and my 16 or 17 year old daughter now was listening. And I was just explaining like, man, I don't understand these parents who fight battles of wanting to make sure their kids' hairs brushed in them. Like let them go to school with the raggedy, nutty, natty hair. Just let them walk out the door. However, if, it, if it's if a it's war, you don't need war, to fight it. It's yes. a battle you're not going to fight. Yeah. Just, yes. you're not going to win. You might choose to fight it, but you won't win. You, so, even if you win, you lose is it, what you're saying. Correct. Yeah, so absolutely. Let them get to school. Let them look like they just rolled out of bed and let their peers correct it. So I end up our, anyway, my 17 year old daughter says to my friend the other day, oh yeah, you want to know what fixed it for me? Is I was walking down the hall one day and the school janitor, the janitor looks at me and says, Cadence, looks like you're having a bit of a rough hair day. And she goes, (laughs) (laughs) and she's like, that's all it took. And from that moment on, I figured out how to, what to do with my hair to make it work. Because there's nothing worse than the school janitor calling out your, your roughness, right? We don't, we don't want kids to, our kids to be tore up by peers. I'm not at all saying, hey, let, let them go get eaten alive and be like, well, you know, you would just dress pro- properly or comb your hair. You right, but what you this. are saying is, is there are some naturally correcting problems. This might not even be a peer pressure thing because in a very real sense, the janitor isn't her peer. But at the same time, it, there is a, a natural consequence if you go out and your hair is all a mess. And, and one of the things that I talk to parents about all the time, and we talk about this a lot, is just fight less battles. So many parents fight so many battles that don't need to be fought. And something that I'm a firm believer in is repetitive interventions. People learn through repetitiveness. And so I'm a fan of the talk is an intervention. Like, hey, your hair's a mess. Go to school with your hair messy. And sooner or later, somebody's going to be like, yo, what's going on? And, And so, okay. Well, how do you handle this with with other like when you're talking to your clients and there are parents who are like, well, I don't the janitor isn't going to say anything to my kid or I think I would think I, I don't work with a lot of kids anymore, but I would think that one of the pushbacks would be, well, but that's a reflection on me. 
if their hair's a mess. How do you handle that objection? I understand that, right? Like, because as parents, we our kids go out and they represent us in society, and we feel that way often. That hey, but it's not about them; it's about me and how I look. And I would just encourage every parent to think about what does it cost you to Amen. let them go out, right? Yes. So, like Cadence, for example, us letting her go to school. Us letting her go to school with crazy hair really wasn't a poor reflection on my parenting. I think most people fight a battle of either whether it's getting their kids out of bed to go to school, whether it's their hair, their clothes. We're all fighting the same battles. Right. So, like, I think the parents who would look at look at the child and be like, oh, my gosh, her parents let her go to school with her hair like that. They're probably judging themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they're judging me. And to be honest with you, I don't really give a flip what other people think about my parenting. You know, uh, at some point, you and I are going to talk about the technology wars. And I know that there are people that just think I'm crazy on, on how the technology wars go. That I'm just like, let them have their phone. And n- nobody wants to really engage that. They just look at me like I'm nuts. But, but okay, so the parent that says hey, it is a reflection on me. Essentially, that answer there was, yeah, no, it isn't. What do you do if they push back on that? And they're like, yes, it is. They typically talk about their own anxiety and their own narrative because that's fed from somewhere, right? Right. Rather, it's from their parents once had this belief that like, hey, as long as you look good on the outside, it doesn't matter what your heart's like. Right, okay. because no one's kind of a hard at, turn there. Yeah, no. I didn't see that coming. So, what do you mean their heart's good, but their outsides a mess? Well, up? we often think like if we, you know, I'm not at all ragging on people who look all prim and proper. Go for it, right? But like the ones who want to put on all this makeup and they want their kids to like, hey, don't you dare go to the store unless you're dressed up and you look appropriately. Don't go to school unless you look appropriately, because if we can put on a good show, typically no one's going to get to the heart of what's going on. And that's most people's fear. And, and what's the heart of what's going on? They're going to judge me. It, it could be where the there's there's poverty in the home, and okay. we don't want people to know that we're in a really bad place financially. And so we make them dress their hair up so that we look like we're not in poverty. Yeah. Okay. It, it could be the own story in our head that we feel as a parent that we're only loved or valued by how we look. So we assume our kid is only going to be loved or valued by how they look. Okay. So, so you put this pressure on the kids. If, if I hear you right, you're actually saying that one of the things that parents have to consider if they have angst about the, how their child's presenting, right? Uh, and this was even through middle school for the daughter that you're talking about, right? Like, like she kind of let her hair go even into early high school. And, and so what you're saying is it's a more parents who fight those battles are it's more about the story in their head about themselves, is, is that right? Am I hearing that right? I would say most of the time, yes. Okay, all right. And so you help your clients by going after that story in their head. Can you expound on that a little bit? Like, so for the listener, how would they, sort of coming into counseling, right? Which obviously we're fans of talk therapy, but how would they go about going after the story in their head and trying to figure out, is this about something what's best for my kid or is it about the story in my head? I would say you need to go after what's driving your concern. And how would they do that? How would they explore that at home? I'm all about like self-talk. Sounds crazy, but right? Ask yourself, like, what's driving this desire? Yeah. Uh, Another area it can be about, it can be about your narrative, but it can also be about power, right? And it, It can be about power both sides for the parent and for the child. Right. 
Right, absolutely. And that's a terrible battle for the parent because there's no winning. Even if you win, you lose. Mm -hmm. Because even if you exert your power, you have lost relationship. And that's a cost that that you and I have talked about a lot. I'm not willing to pay. Uh, uh, One of our mentors often used to say that parenting is like fishing. And if you break the line, you've lost all influence. And so you've got to keep the kids on the hook. And, you know, in fishing, we just went on a fishing trip. One of the things you have to know is how to set the drag and how much tension to put in the line. In fact, one of the lines broke because the tension was set wrong. And often that's a really good illustration for the parenting you're talking about. The kid's having a power battle. I'm going to do what I want to do. Maybe because the kid doesn't feel like they have a whole lot of power in lives. And let's be honest, a lot of kids don't, right? Like they're told, where, especially at schools, they're told where they're going, when they're going, what they can wear, what they can eat, what they can eat, all of that. And then on top of that, their peers are telling them what they're not. And so they're fighting this battle with you because they want power over something. And then the parent gets stuck because they're fighting for power too, because they're the parent and you will respect me and you will do what I say and they lose. Correct. So so this self-talk that you're talking about, they're walking through that. Let's say that they discover it is about power. What do they do next? What they do next is depending on who the person is, right? But like if you decide this is a power game and this is more about me, then I would explain to your kid how you feel, right? Like, here's my concern. It's okay to say like, hey, we'll just make up a name, Sophie. When you go to school with stained clothes and you go to school with your hair not brushed, mom's really afraid kids are going to pick on you. And I don't want that for you. Right. And that's my fear, right? Because now you're teaching them emotional intelligence because you're teaching them to express how, how you feel, how they feel, and awareness of other people. Yeah. And then now you leave it in their court if they're like, I don't care. Okay, well then All right. then you have to like take a deep breath yes. and you hope for the best and you hope that the world's not too cruel to them when they do right. get the, criticized the for the way they the cost of that lesson isn't too high. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I love about that is, you know, how many adults do we meet that can't make decisions because all of the decisions from the time they were ejected from the birth canal, that's just one of my favorite sayings, to the time that they left the nest, all the decisions were made for them. They were they like literally just made for them. And well-intentioned parents don't ever let their kids develop the habit and the muscle of making decisions and then living in those consequences. Right, because we don't want our kids to fail. Yet none of us got to the place we are in life without failing. Right. There, there's a difference between failing and life. being a failure. Correct. Yes. But we often don't want them to fail. We want to protect them. And it all comes from a good place. But often Usually. things that come from a good <laughs> place can cause more harm than good. Yeah, and I think absolutely. This episode isn't about emotional intelligence. But I think teaching, being able to express how you feel, being able to help them understand you know, how to manage themselves, how other people see them, you express that and then you let it go. And you let them figure it out from there. I have, uh, I also work with middle schoolers. And it's amazing how many of them come into my office And kids are being mean to them and they're saying things to them. And the parents normally want to go after the school. They want to go after the principal and they're going to go in and they're going to, you know, raise Cain in the schools. Well, why not empower your kid on how to stand up to those kids? Yeah, I think we mentioned this on another episode that you and I recorded. 
One of the things that we've staked our parenting on is we don't typically get involved in our kids' distresses to the third party. We'll engage our kids. We'll talk with our kids about it. And and, and th- this is maybe a bit of a switch on the topic, but I think I think the listeners will will appreciate it. I think what we do is I kind of turn turned a phrase uh, in in my journal one day. We do exploratory listening with the kids, right? Like like even last night we were sitting at the table or this morning. I don't remember when. Now we were talking to one of our daughters about this boy that she's interested in who's clearly interested in her but doesn't know how to get his his head on straight to figure that out. Uh, we were talking about that, and, and we really just did exploratory listening with her. Maybe you could explain that a little bit for the uh, for the listeners. So sometimes you and I uh, define things or use different terms when we're talking about things. So you sure. just said exploratory listening. What does that mean to Yeah, you? new phrase for you, right? Uh, exploratory listening... It's essentially mirroring, only it's more probing questions, right? So we're mirroring. I'm just trying to make sure that you understand that I'm trying to understand you. I think exploratory listening is that plus asking our kids or adults questions that help them make the transition from wherever they feel stuck to what's going on. So like last night or this morning, whenever that conversation was going on, we mirrored her. But then you started asking her questions, uh, when she'd ask you a question, which you'd respond with a question, which can upset some adults, but most people really appreciate it. Does, does that answer it? What, what exploratory questioning or, or listening is? Yeah, it's, you're kind of like exploring a cave. Only I'm exploring my child. Yes. Out like, hey, what's going on? And more importantly, the... you're helping them explore themselves. Correct, because as they're talking out loud, they're learning and thinking and yeah this particular daughter i had her a little flustered this morning because it was of, this morning i couldn't yeah, remember my um guiding questions or thoughts to her but i think your the goal is to always invite your kid to a bigger conversation so when we tell our kids like hey this is how you have to act this is how you have to dress this is how you behave the number one pushback you just remember what's the pushback i get is well, they just need to do what I say. I don't think kids should question adults. I don't know whoever came up with that, but it's just a bunch of bull. Okay? <laughs> Leave it there. <laughs> this is a family-friendly show. <laughs> how else do we teach them? Yeah, and, absolutely. And if we're, if we need to grow as parents, so if, if we know it all, then my gosh, we should be the presidents of the United States right now. Hey, 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 let's stay away from <laughs> politics. Right, so so what you're saying is one of the best opportunities that we have when our kid tells us something, they don't want to do something we want them to do, or they do something that we don't want them to do, it is one of the best opportunities we have is to help them understand that decision in the greater context of their life. And so there's this level of questions that reflect that we're listening, but there are also questions like, hey, tell me more Help me understand how you came to that conclusion. You know, the, hey, you have to listen to me because I'm the adult. I don't know any adult who enjoys bosses like, right? And and I mean, I've been a boss. I've been a follower. No one likes the boss who's like, you have to do this just because I'm the boss. And there are times, very few times, there are times where that's an appropriate response. But you lose the teaching opportunity there with your kids if you don't at least circle back to it and tell them like, hey, I know you didn't like having to do what I told you you had to do. I appreciate that you did it. Or if you didn't do it, you got a consequence and you know you serve that and it's over. Let me talk to you about my thinking. I think the biggest problem that I have with the idea of kids have to listen to me because I'm the parent 
they don't learn. You don't teach them, right? And there, there's an ancient principle that says, train up your child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they won't, they won't depart from it. And, and, and the, the problem is with the, you have to do this because I told you you have to do it. There's no training there. And training implies attempts and failure, right? If someone's trying to learn a sport, I know a lady who took a golf lesson recently and, and the, the instructor told her, hey, you need to stand closer to the ball. The next time she went out golfing, she was like, I don't care. I'm standing where I need to stand because she got frustrated with it. You shouldn't call me out like this on podcast. That's rude. And what happened there is it it was too many things going on in your head, but it's training because you'll go back and practice the closer to the ball, even though you failed last night. And I think sometimes I think the biggest thing that drives this is when our kids fail, too many parents feel that's a reflection on them. And somehow my kid failed, so that means I'm a poor parent. That would not be true in any other context. We don't expect a coach to to win every game of the season. We don't expect a coach to get every call right. And yet parents act like, oh, if my kid messes up. I remember I was was walking with a good friend of ours from uh, Pennsylvania, and, and we were talking about his daughter, who's the, the eight, same age as our youngest daughter. And they were struggling with her cleaning her room or something. And I'm like, just don't worry about it. It's okay. Like, tell her to clean her room. And, and if she doesn't, close the door. And, like, you would have thought I was talking heresy. And I was like, it's a problem that eventually corrects itself. And if it doesn't, as she ages, you have more opportunity to talk about it. The question that I think we're really circling around, I want to end on this today, is most parents have to decide is whatever the issue that I'm fighting for, how much relationship am I willing to give up? We talk a ton about how task and relationship are intention, right? In fact, there's a whole thing that we draw out and task and relationship on, on opposite sides of the same line. And, and it is okay to do things that take some of that relationship up because that is our job as parents. If we only indulge the relationship, we're in trouble. But, but we do have to decide how much is whatever this task worth. And is it something that will naturally correct itself, such as they're going to hair, they're going to school with their hair a mess and their clothes not matching. Eventually, they'll get sick of that. And, and, you know, a lot of times I have people push back like, well, what if they don't? Well, live by the rule of thumbs and, and manage the exceptions. And if your kid's an exception, you can manage that as they age. Well, it's all, uh, again, for everyone, it's about power, right? So when your kid goes to school with their hair mess and someone finally says something to them, and even if they come home crying and your worst fear happens that they're broken from whatever the peer said to them, now's an opportunity where you can say, well, what, what would you like to do about it? You clearly seem upset. Can we get you hair conditioning? Can we get you detangler? Are you ready to want to brush your hair? Or do you, ready, do you want to go to school and tell those kids, like, I just don't care, so leave me alone. And now you're empowering them that they get to make a choice and now they're an author of their own story. Why yes. your guidance? Yes, and, and that's something that I think we get so wrong in modern society. I feel like when we start talking about empowerment, empowerment is like Beth Dutton on Yellowstone. She's crazy. She shoots people. You know, she's got all these things. And all these women are like, oh, I want to be Beth Dutton. And I'm always like, well, wait, what part of her do you want? You want to be the part that lost her mom at 14, that, that had an, uh, an abortion that left her, you know, sterile. But what they're attracted to, I think, is this idea of she's empowered. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. And it's insanity to me because you would not actually, no one would actually want to be in relationship with that person. And and what you're talking about is actual empowerment. Like, hey, we could be in relationship, but here's the thing. If you're going to make fun of me, I just don't care. So, and I'm not going to be in relationship with someone who makes fun of me. And teaching our kids that 
is true empowerment. And that's teaching them to live in the consequences, both good and bad. Which are all of life. Correct. Yes. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Listen, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. We find value in sharing things with our friends. So find three friends, share it with them, let them know that you're enjoying the show. Erica, is there anything you want to add? No. No? Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.